welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and well, a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and I'm still stoked to have Josh in the podcast studio, where we're going to break down all things lighting and virtual reality, or should I say how the evolution of design is coming at us faster than we may have ever predicted. If you didn't get the chance, listen to our first episode where we talk about this kind of in general terms, because right now we're about to dive in to levels that, well, you've never seen before. Josh, welcome back. How's it going? Great to be here. I'm glad I could fly in again to, to do this. You know, Josh, that um that tiny little Honda Civic, I mean, <laughs> That thing, that thing must fly really fast. It does. It yeah. does. It's a snow machine for sure. Yeah, especially in COVID traffic. I mean, yeah. you're you're cutting your your drive time down by what? Uh, I mean, it was like uh, a 14 minute commute to a 14 second commute. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's about it. I yeah. didn't realize it was all traffic. It had nothing to do with the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's just dive right in. Let's talk a little bit more about what's going on with the ability to design in a new way. And that new way is virtual reality. Let's start with the headset. What is that headset and how did that enable all of this? Sure. So there's new hardware comes out almost daily. It's really hard to keep track of it. I started with a spreadsheet and I, I quickly, it took, consumed me <laughs> to you try to keep up. track of all it. Yeah, yeah there's, 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 there's so many new things coming out. The one thing that we learned very quickly though, um, regardless of the hardware was portability. We really wanted to make sure that if, if it's portable, if I can just hand you a headset, there's a greater chance that you're going to put it on and uh, and experience what, what we developed. That comes with some sacrifices from a development perspective uh, because you can't quite get the um, the realism or the higher resolution textures or anything like that in there, but people will try it more and they'll most likely put it on again after that. And I think that's, that's the biggest key that we learned very quickly. Uh, otherwise, if you have a tethered headset, which is pretty much a, a cable plugged into your to a headset that's tied into your computer, and then you gotta have a pretty decent um, computer to operate that. It's a little bit, it's not quite as portable. It takes a little more effort to set up. It's a lot harder to get someone to experience it. And so uh, prioritizing portability, it's really gonna allow us to kind of scale up how people will experience this. And I think that will be true for us as a manufacturer, as it is for a line designer going to one of their clients. The particular headset that we're using right now is the Oculus Quest. I think it starts at $400. That's it. That's it. I, I mean, think $400 to immerse yourself in a space. To pretty much have an infinite access to other worlds. <laughs> it's kind of, that's kind of surprising. Um, but it's highly portable. They have, uh, it's, it's inside out tracking. And uh, what that means is there's four cameras on the front and it tracks what the space is doing, where your controllers are, which is pretty much where your hands are. Um, they also have hand tracking as well, which is a, another subject, but pretty much it allows you to pretty much put it on and you get that full six degrees of freedom that we were talking about to experience uh, an environment and be fully immersed and really maintain that sense of immersion because you don't have this cable kind of attached to your head as well, which kind of brings you in and out of what you're experiencing. But in the end, it is really just a, a screen and a mobile chipset pretty much on it. And, and there's uh, some limitations to that, um, to how much, it's amazing how much you can do. Um, the processors are similar to most phones. It's probably a little dated now actually. Um, because that stuff moves very quickly. And so we spend a lot of our time developing content 
to be comfortable. So we want to make sure when anyone tries it, that they're comfortable when they put on the headset. Um, and we found that, that, you know, 72 frames a second is, is maintaining that as a good way to keep, make sure people are comfortable. And then, and then we also want to make sure that we're able to get the experience of interaction and stuff and we kind of reduce where we don't need to have these heavy processor intensive things um, so in the end it's, it's pretty incredible you pretty much had a cell phone on your head that you tried we're in a totally other environment and what's really great about this particular hardware is that they've kind of they, they have allowed you to have it be portable if you want um, but you can also access the processing power of your computer by tethering it to your machine using it like an oculus rift which is their tethered version to get get that higher quality experience but that generally has been more for um the gaming community i mean you're running through playing a, in some crazy animated world where this aliens and warships <laughs> that's and, right that's and, right or and, just uh, and tetris and vr i don't know it's the same totally way. or just a lot of people walking through space i mean uh, arguably an architectural environment is always going to be a bit more static mm-hmm. lighting is not static so where is lighting coming into this and how is this really giving us an opportunity to reshape and rethink you know how we view a space and how we view the light in the space or maybe even just the light itself yeah yeah and if you think about your how many light sources you have in a space and this kind of goes along with the architectural visual type thing where you're you're trying to light a space up so you have your daylight um, which is changing constantly you're gonna have these more static sources that kind of just allow you to see everything which are more just kind of these volumetric sources and then you have your actual more architectural lighting where you're specifically lighting up different areas and what's uh, in the gaming industry they they call you know the unity and unreal engines those are they call them real-time engines which um a big piece of that is allowing you to move around in real time and change things dynamically now when you have a portable thing like your cell phone you're kind of limited in how much you can make dynamic when it comes to a lighting aspect because uh lighting a, a dynamic light source reflecting off of all of the different surfaces in the space and we're not talking about dynamic light we're just talking about light as a a dynamic fixture that moves yeah Yeah, pretty much um yeah good point and uh you know have it reflect off of all these complex surfaces in real time and at 72 frames a second so you don't get sick is uh quite impressive to do on a mobile headset but you can see that it's also very computationally heavy so you're kind of limited to the, the processing power of your hardware. Um, once you start, you know, tethering to a, a powerful headset or maybe wireless at some time in the future, then then you can access that that power and have more dynamic things uh, happening. Until then, especially for the portable stuff, uh, we do a thing called light baking, and uh, which is relatively is that a term. Like 450 degrees <laughs> Fahrenheit? At least 450 yeah, degrees. Yeah. Uh, Comes out after about 12 minutes, nice that, brown and crisp. That's right. Yeah, yeah. you got to stick a toothpick in it. Uh, otherwise you otherwise it's not done oh sorry to, to no we we weren't talking about bacon in the oven <laughs> yeah. were we? um, which is interesting it's an interesting concept from what we're used to because most of the time when we do any lighting calculation it's, it's very static and we're just kind of capturing that one moment in time but when you start to move around if anyone's done any sort of animations with lighting that's using more of a ray tracing method which is taking all the lights extending a bunch of rays and their intensities out in all directions and calculating that per frame it is nearly or not nearly but it's it's not quite practical to do that with portable hardware in real time to get that done. For example, for me to get a photorealistic single image of a space, you know, could take 
four hours to render. So to to somehow get that down to something like 170 second of a second, whatever that it counts to milliseconds. The math um, does not add up. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it's just, it just a significant process. Doesn't add up. So to deal with that, they do you do light baking, and what that ends up doing is you you kind of choose which of your light sources are going to be the ones that move. And which are the light sources that are that isn't quite necessary for them to move. And so you have these the ones that don't move, they will bake into all the materials and everything in the space. So your shadows and everything from those sources will be uh, calculated up front. And then your dynamic light sources, ones that actually do move, you can bring in and do that because it's lights additive. You can move around with those fixtures. So that allows you to kind of get the lightweight real time experience because on a mobile headset. You could have a mobile headset and just put objects in space and mm-hmm. the lighting environment could be static. Yes. And that's already a step in the direction of immersing ourselves in the space and being able to see kind of what the scale is as it relates to everything else in the environment. But then to actually flip the light switch and turn it on, now we're really now, now we're really creating a dynamic environment where, like you said, shadows are moving. I mean, when I had the headset on, it, it was crazy. I turned around and I looked at the wall and there was a shadow of the remote control that I was holding on the wall. And I realized it was coming from the sun outside. Mm-hmm. Did that sun move as I was in that environment or did you have that? Was the sun... St- programmed as a static source that particular source did not move but it was one that we wanted to interact with other objects in the space like your controllers and the render fixtures when you when you picked one down the sun would still reflect off of it. yeah and so what's interesting is that there are these other aspects that we don't think about too much in lighting um but they're are kind of part of it but we don't get a chance to really explore them as much is things like shadows things like specular contributions stuff like that Whereas, you know, from a calculational aspect, if you have something that is slightly specular, you know, it doesn't really impact the overall calculations in a significant way, like say kind of like a shiny wood table or something. But visually it's very important because you don't want the light causing glare off the table into your eye or something like that, depending on what the installation was. Um, So there are these other material-based attributes that we can now explore. And now we have to kind of control as we build these virtual environments and manage, um, which which I think has helped me become a better lighting designer, even though I'm I'm not lighting. I mean, I'm not making real spaces anymore. They're all virtual. Yeah, let's be honest. Every lighting designer doesn't have the opportunity to review their lighting plan based off every finish in the space Mm -hmm. at every single point in time of the day. Nor does anybody want a spec code on a on a luminaire that's got 77 options included on it to take into account all that. There's so many assumptions that go into lighting today mm-hmm. because we have to quantify it all on paper. The digital and virtual world, to me, it sounds like it's opening all that back up, but it's it's second nature. Mm-hmm. We, we, we don't think about specifying shadows, but if we can virtually see that and animate that through the design process, through picking out and placing things it's human intuition you know talk to me about what it means to maybe become a a more intuitive designer by way of being able to see stuff in real time and in 3d and in an immersive experience Mm -hmm. that kind of goes to the experience-based designers almost you know I, i think some of the the great designers some people are just naturally talented and can visualize these things very well but i think for me it had to do with experiencing a lot of different things and and seeing what that was like doing something different and then seeing if I liked it or I didn't like it um, and, and some of it was subjective as well but I think that allows you to install things instantly see what that did and say well is this good or bad am I getting is this material working or whatever or should I have a conversation 
with the interior designer about the finishes and say, hey, if we want to do these life fixtures, it's going to be a problem. It kind of helps you kind of identify areas to improve the end result in a very visual manner instead of actually showing up at the at your you know when you're aiming and stuff and realizing that oh boy we're, we've got some problems here we're gonna have to yeah, take these that, down or that dark replace. purple wall isn't doing it for us <laughs> exactly right now. exactly and, and and sometimes that stuff happens late in the game or but it, it can help identify the ones that you do know about and be more attentive to two things like finishes which are which end up being very important to the overall end result well i tell you what there's a lot here and i think there's <laughs> There's a tremendous value that, that you've clearly presented because the virtual world and maybe you don't have all the experience or the time or, or anything, but this helps us become more intuitive and more fast-paced and iterative in our design process. I wish we could just do it tomorrow. We could click our fingers, we could snap our thumbs together and it would happen. But I know there are some limitations and I know that, like you said, it's evolving a very, very fast pace. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the limitations where we are realistically today. And you can share with us a little bit about what you're doing to push things forward in the future. Sound good? Sounds great. Great. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, the Light Pod is brought to you by LightEye, a new hub for ideas, education, and well, a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. We bring you this podcast along with short, informative videos. To keep you in the loop on what's new in the lighting industry at lytei.com. And welcome back. Over the break, Josh and I were just catching up a little bit more about what's going on in terms of the fact that VR is available today, but it's not quite where we want it to be in terms of just being able to toss a headset on walk through a space, collaborate like BIM 360 and have six people across all design trades in at once. Josh, talk to me just a little bit more about realistically uh, where we're at and how much of a challenge it's been to to get there. And also, where are we going next? Okay. So we have another three hours or so to go through all this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the I think the big thing is um, what's everyone's roles in all this? I think that as you kind of understand that, then you kind of get to pick apart how it's going to unfold and, and, and how people have access to this. I believe, you know, our role as a manufacturer will probably change over time because we're just really everyone's really kind of experimenting this is a new media for us you know instead of a website you, you put on a headset that's like is significantly different than how we normally interact with each other i mean this is essentially downloading a video game yeah exactly yeah. pretty much yep and and uh you know and we'll constantly update that video game with the new expansion pack <laughs> yeah and like windows every right. three days that's right yeah. you know if, if uh if we can get to that point that'd be great <laughs> actually uh, not not the uh the painful part the the fact that we'd be expanding it every three days absolutely <laughs> like anything that there's there's a matter of adoption that's needed for things to really start to take off that not every single person has an oculus quest headset <laughs> which makes it a little bit harder for us to get give to all of the, all of our customers from a from a software perspective you know where everyone has a cell phone we we did actually consider the idea of like well let's just give everyone a cell phone app and put it in these holders and we just felt that that experience was wasn't right for where we needed to go so we, we just kind of said we need to do it this way we need the six degrees of freedom quality is important um, for people to understand what we're trying to communicate and, and what are you trying to communicate that's a good question and so so there are a few things is uh, a lot of it we're trying to communicate you know wh what can you not get out of a sample 
what can you not get out of our website? You know, get, get those aspects that we talked about of actually doing an, an installation in a matter of minutes to understand what the space will look like. Those are things that to do any other way would be incredibly time consuming and incredibly expensive. And we were able to, you know, shrink that down into a matter of, of minutes and relatively a small amount of money, especially once it, once you already own the headset. So investing in those type of things really helps kind of bridge the gap of what we have been able to experience in the past. I believe that's kind of our role as manufacturers to help provide greater understanding of all the things that go into the fixtures that we make. And, and you know, there's a lot of things. It's amazing the historical content behind almost any fixture that's being made is that, you know, there's, there's a reason why there's these particular details, these mounting details, things that are relatively uninteresting if you're not quite sure of the historical context, but then you, once you understand exactly how they work, you're like, wow, that's quite brilliant. I'm glad they had that on there. That's, that's perfect. And so you end up providing those elements of education of what this thing is, as well as how to use it. And in the end, I think is the best way to make better lighting, you know, all of us to do a better line design um, and create better products in turn. And we can kind of go back and forth that way. You know, the content's going to come through the traditional channels, I think of say it's called Revit or AutoCAD or something, and you're going to bring that in. And then we're going to kind of merge, um, call the virtual version of our products with the virtual version of your products um, in a very visually aesthetic way where it, you can kind of see that luminance stuff that we were talking about in a very earlier. immersive way in a very immersive way right yep. and and you can replicate a bunch of them and getting you as close to the actual experience as possible until you actually build it there's ways that we can learn and, and grow and and be better through just the ways of capturing existing buildings yeah i think some of the best ways i've learned also is to go and see spaces unfortunately going to see spaces takes a lot of time and costs a lot of money Bringing those spaces to people is is really a great, call it short-term thing. Hopefully it's, it has some long-term impact, but it's something we can do today through the capturing method. We, we talked about it before of the photogrammetry stuff. And so where you're more or less taking a camera and taking pictures at a bunch of different angles of a, of a space and then software takes all those images and compiles it and turns it into a three-dimensional space with all of the right finishes and stuff like that. Uh, so you bring it into that software like Unity or Unreal Engine and bring in a sun and bring in some additional light sources. Uh, one of my favorite ones that people have done uh, was the Palace of Versailles, which is, uh, which I don't know if I'm ever going to get to see the Palace of Versailles, honestly, I'd, I'd hope to, I'd love to see it in real life. But until then, do my own personal walkthrough tour of it, of, of a highly complex, um, there's just a lot of ornate detail and get to appreciate the architecture and the design of that space and, and fully experience it um, without and, actually being there. And you can use that as a not only a way to learn, but as a way to put somebody else in the space with you to just give them a relative talking point as well. Mm -hmm. Right. It's check this out. What do you think? Yeah, what yeah. do you think? Do you like it? Or you could walk through a building with somebody and it was their existing space. Mm -hmm. You may not be in the same state or the same country and you can both virtually be in it at the same time. They can point out to you what they like, or you can take them to a recently completed project because you have that file and it's done and you can say, Hey, here's what we did here. And this is why we did it. Mm -hmm. And instead of just telling people that, I think we have to do our best to help people understand how as humans we perceive things one way but we experience things another way what does that mean to you it's a good question and i think i find it very interesting that real things um you know that there was always this kind of call it an endorphin kick or something like whenever you got to see a finished job when you went out 
and um, you know, designing and studying stuff was great. And I and like I saw how it was going to do, and all of it's stuck in images in my head versus me actually seeing it. And then when I see it for the very first time in real life, there was this kind of endorphin kick, like, oh, that's it. Oh, and that's exactly, or and it never was exactly how I envisioned it actually. Never, no, it, was never. Always, it was always slightly different or there's this or that. And it was, but, it was never your fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I was not perfect. Guilty as trash. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and still I'm not. And, but there's a great way to, there's this, this great experience of, of doing that. And what's interesting is that I've had a very similar experience by designing things, you know, in CAD, even though CAD is three-dimensional, I I can rotate, I can totally understand the space, but it is completely different to look at it versus actually being in the space. And it was funny, the first, that classroom, that rented classroom that you're in was one of the first spaces I kind of created that just, you get, this is not just me. There's a lot of people involved. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. um, One of the guys I helped. Uh, that does a ton of great work is Craig Sanford and he uh, in our office that does a lot of the programming and stuff and it's just incredible amount of skill sets and and talent that goes into making that type of stuff it's a whole new world that we're not used to I think as as lighting designers and architects and stuff going back to actually making that space when we made that space like the first time I put on the headset and got to be in my space that I created digitally the feeling was almost identical as if it were a real space that Some, feeling that you've had as a designer walking into a finished that's right space. yeah and that kind of surprised me a little bit by that because i did not expect it to be that because it's fake that's right it's yeah. digital exactly this isn't a real space but it truly does feel like an actual space that i helped create and, and that was truly powerful for me as a designer and and i think i think we might find some of our line designers and architects and stuff finding that that's enough, you know, and maybe there's people building architecture purely digital only. Yeah. Um, you know, you can kind of see this future where, you know, maybe they charge $10 for it or something. Totally. You know, um, and, you, and you have this full architecture that you kind of experience that someone created. Well, and I think what's crazy to me is you had that endorphin kick of, of that satisfaction of being in a complete project. I had no clue what to expect. And I'm, I mean this. I mean, I've never been in a VR environment. I've never walked into a space. I threw that headset on and I immediately forgot where I was. Mm-hmm. I immediately, like you said, was immersed. I believed what I was seeing. I could touch it. I could interact with it. I feel like if I walked out this door right now, that VR room would be next door to me right now because it's cemented in my in my brain and in my mind. What are we going to do as an industry to help everybody create that opportunity because I don't have a VR headset. You know, I also don't have any reason to specify a luminaire in my line of work, but that was something that was fascinating to me and I want to continue to experience. What can people do to start to get involved in this sort of stuff? The first thing is is get a headset. <laughs> I think get a headset. Get, um, and uh, Or ask, uh, ask whoever's in charge of the budget. Now's a really hard time to ask for anything, but try to ask for it. Still ask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, totally, totally worth it. If anybody uh, experiences as many opportunities as you can when someone's when someone's showing VR now now's not a great time but I think a lot of times you know whenever there's a trade show or any sort of event um, even if they're like pop-up events or whatever and they're like hey check out this VR thing or even if it's at like the arc those VR arcades or whatever you know it's a great way to just like see what's there experience it kind of the inspiration to what you could possibly make yourself really hardware adoption is, is key people start to get more and more hardware they'll be able to experience these things and you know kind of 
from a hardware software perspective, more investment will go into the software to support the amount of hardware out there and vice versa. The other piece is try some things out. I think a lot of the software, the business model for the Unity Unreal guys are a little bit different depending on who you are. And they're, they're kind of filling out the architectural industry for how they should approach things. Because before almost all, their entire business model was our software is free. And, and we just get a percentage of sales of your of, of your game or whatever. And so that was that's no longer the case for us because we're not selling the app or the game or whatever. You know, if you're a line designer or architect, you're selling the experience, you're selling the design, um, which is a little bit different. So, so they're kind of working their way through that. But I would say one of the first ones Unreal Engine makes um, is called Twin Motion. And right now I believe it's a standalone, or I believe it's actually integrated into their software, sorry. It's kind of like the SketchUp of VR. VR and it is, it, I was gonna say VR specifically, but they actually do a really great job of like showing trees grow over time and stuff like that. People use it for uh, like video shots and stuff like that. Wow. Um, so so it's, it's very, again, it's not super high end from a graphic perspective. It's very great to just jump in, start to get um, get going and kind of be creative without having to quite understand all the technical side of things. And then as you kind of start digging deeper, you'll probably start to explore those, those things. And hopefully as time goes on, people um, will start to gain those tools. It's this very intuitive interaction and, and uh, from Unreal and stuff. You know, maybe the future is you walk into a blank space and you build some walls and you, you put some paint finishes on them and you bring in your light fixtures from your digital, your virtual lighting catalog. You know, there could be a future like that. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that we're working towards. Everyone has to have the hardware to start. Absolutely. <laughs> hardware is inevitable. And yeah. I think, and know, it's only gotta, getting better and it's getting better very quickly. Gotta have a smartphone, gotta That's have a right. computer, maybe have a tablet. That's right. What, uh, what, are, what's next for you, Josh? What are you doing to push this forward? I can't get into too many details, of course um, not. but I think there's a lot of other great opportunities for VR for manufacturers in general. Um, that's outside of just the design stuff, you know, that you, you, we've seen things like Walmart's a good example of, they have a lot of employees to, to train and they found a way to train a significant amount of their employees and uh, to do a particular task in a very short amount of time. And it's really easy to justify that expense. Um, so it's not the, the industry may not see um, direct correlations to these things through a uh, better line design or anything like that. But you, I think we'll start to see better quality, better customer service, kind of from top to bottom for us being able to interact and understand all these products from top to bottom across the board. As, that's about as, as cliche as I can get, I think. No, Sorry. but it's, but it's, it's, um, it's all true. I, I'm going to make you answer one question okay, for me and okay. I'm not going to hold you to it. <laughs> all right. How many years until a headset is on every single person's desk? And this is the new norm for design. Hmm. It's, it's a good question. And, and I'll ask you again in a year from now. That's right. And, and, and it's, it's really hard. Be, or, or I think what's interesting is I feel like the, the COVID situation has, if you would have asked me four months ago, would nearly every person in the U.S. whenever they go in public wear a face mask, I'd be like, no way. Yeah, and, it's and, true. And, it, and it's quite amazing um, that that significant change um, in just uh, society and culture um, of, of just how what people think is appropriate and socially acceptable. acceptable. normal. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. And, and that's exactly where I think that I think there's some social acceptability to the hardware which will probably come in the sense of the hardware design. And I think once the design gets to a point where it's way more socially acceptable to have and wear more frequently and is 
easier, then I think that's when it, it that's when we'll start to see the mass adoption. My prediction is probably within the next three to five years. It's I incredible. Hope, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, three to five years reinventing uh, a trade that's basically been the same, be it paper to, well, I, nobody's going to agree with me that designing on paper versus designing with a computer is the same thing. But being able to truly immerse ourselves in a design is something that's going to be quite incredible. And mm -hmm. I know that I personally can't wait to start walking into more virtual spaces. Josh, this is awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your insights on what you've been working super hard on for the last, I think, six, seven years at this point. I wish you all the best as you continue to develop your own products. Thanks for sharing with us what you know and where we're going. We'll catch up with you a year from now and we'll see what's going on then. Sound good? Sounds great. Hopefully sooner. All right. Thanks see for you, having Josh. me. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, if you enjoyed this episode of The Light Pod, do me a favor. Go back to the app that you were listening to it in and click like, follow, or subscribe. And if you want, give us a review too. Be sure to never miss another episode of The Light Pod, where we interview curious minds on the lighting industry, those who are passionate about design, and people who just think lighting is cool. Until then, cheers. Cheers.